0: Lord, it is a sweet time of worship this morning, and uh, God, we pray that you are honored. God, we pray that you are respected, and God, we pray that you are lifted up this morning as we sing, we lift our voices, and Father, we just, we love you, and uh, God, we're so thankful for uh, giving us uh, this team, putting together this church, all in the middle of your big redemptive purposes for mankind, Father, you wanted there to be a church who would proclaim your name, who would gather together so that we could go out better. And Lord Jesus, I just pray that you do great work uh, among our church, uh, God, in our hearts today. And Father, I pray that your word would make sense to us. I pray that we would understand it, and God, that we would know how to apply it, God, as we leave these doors. God, speak to us in this moment. God, I pray that you'd help us to put all distractions aside. I pray that you'd help us to focus in, and that you would make your great name known in these moments. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I'm not ashamed this morning to say that I have a goal for every single person in the room. So if you're one of those people that says, well, good night, I never have goals in life, well, your your preacher has one for you this morning, and I'm not ashamed to say that I have a goal for you. My goal for every single person here today is what Paul said in Galatians 4.19, in Galatians 4.19, Paul said that his desire for the Galatians was that Christ be formed in you. And my goal for you personally this morning is that Christ be formed in you, in your home, in your marriage, as husband, and as wife, in your family, at work at school, in this community, and within this church. My heart for you is that Christ be formed in you. Why would I want that for you? I want that for you because I know that as a believer in Jesus, if you follow Jesus longer than a day, as you follow Jesus, your life begins to look like Christ's life. And when that happens, regardless of where God's placed you on the planet, when your life begins to look like Christ life, you find meaning in life. You find contentment beyond anything you've ever experienced before. And with all of my heart, I want that for every single person in the room. I want you to know meaning in life. I want you to know contentment. And I know that it's found when Christ is formed in you. Now, from life, from experience... And from the Word of God, I know that the main way that Christ is formed in me and the main way that Christ is formed in you is through personal devotion to the Word of God. What would personal devotion to the Word of God look like in our lives? Well, we're blessed to have examples in Scripture, and Scripture is full of all kinds of examples where we have lack, Scripture provides. Where we don't know what something looks like, Scripture is very clear to lay it out. So the people that we're going to look at is the Bereans. We started to look at them last week. And last week we looked and we saw that they had one thing. They had hunger for the Word of God. Hunger is a great thing. Hunger is heart. Hunger comes from within. Hunger is a really good thing because it shows that there's life within. It's evidence that there's life. When it comes to physical appetite... Hunger leads to food, right? We'd be really in trouble if none of us had hunger in the room. And when it comes to being a follower in Jesus, spiritual hunger leads to the Word of God. Now today, I want to take you a step further than hunger. We talked about hunger last week. And this morning, I want to take you a step further than hunger. And it's my prayer that you'll leave today in a couple minutes. I'm praying that you will leave with a greater ability to take God's Word and to get something out of it, to find truth in it, and to grow by it. So if you've got a Bible this morning, go with me to Acts chapter 17. If you've got a Bible from the rack uh, there in front of you, it's uh, page number 984. Acts chapter 17, and this morning we're going to kind of re-enter where we began to enter last week, and we're going to make one more application of a characteristic that Luke applauds. And Luke puts it in the book of Acts because he wants you to know about it, and he wants us to grow as a result. So Paul is working with a group of people, and here we go, they're the Berean people. Acts 17, verse 10, we'll reread these verses that we started with last week. Verse 10, the brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away tonight by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. When they got back, they were going, when they were leaving... Thessalonica, they're leaving and they're going to Berea, which I told you last week is the backside of nowhere. It's in the middle of nowhere. And sometimes, isn't it, that's the place where God shows up and God does great things and you say, where am I at? I'm in commerce. Or some of you would say, well, I'm at work, and what's God going to do through me in this place? God loves to do things where He's placed us. So He's, he's 40 miles away from Thessalonica, where they'd come from, and then they meet the Bereans. And Paul and Silas, when they meet the Bereans and they have interactions with the Bereans, the Bereans were a breath of fresh air. Now, anytime you've had stones thrown at you, you've been left for dead in Lystra, and some bad things have happened. When someone is hungry for the Word of God, it is an absolute breath of fresh air. And that's exactly what happens with Paul and Silas as they enter into Berea. Verse 11 now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. More noble, one, because they weren't killing them. That's a good thing. <laughs> they were more noble, like we talked about last week, is they wanted to hear God's Word without partiality. A noble judge says, I want to hear the whole case before I make a decision. And that's what the Berean Jews wanted to do. They wanted to hear everything about the Word of God without partiality. And it says in verse 11 that they received the Word with all eagerness. They lived with hunger, For the word of God. And here's the expression of that hunger. Next part of the verse. Examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. To examine means, first of all, to inspect carefully. And then to begin to investigate by asking questions. To investigate by asking questions, I need to make sure that I put this out in front of you today because some of you would say, well, the preacher told me to be skeptical about the whole Bible. I didn't say that. I said that you should investigate the Word of God. Investigating the Word of God does not mean that you don't respect it. It doesn't mean that you look at it and say, oh, it's probably not true. I'm, I'm skeptical of it. it. doesn't mean that. To investigate the Word of God means that you want to fully understand it. I want to understand this book. I don't want to just take everything that I've always heard at face value. I want to understand it personally myself. In Acts, there's four uses of the word examine. In Acts 4, verse 19, it gets used like this. And you guys remember how this happens in the book of Acts. Everybody was skeptical about the apostles. Everybody was skeptical about this message of Jesus that they had to proclaim. And when God used them to do miracles to authenticate the message that they were preaching, in Acts 4.19, the first use of uh, 4.9, the first use of that word examine was first of all, we need to examine and see if this miracle is true. If this really happened. So that's one use of the word examine. Another use of the word examine is in Acts 12 verse 19. In Acts 12, verse 19, in Acts 12, you guys remember the story. Peter was in jail. Peter breaks out of jail. And they talk to those guards. And in Acts 12, 19, it says that they wanted to examine those guards. They want to see if those guards were on something, if those guards were somehow prohibited from being able to do their job. How did this happen? How did Peter bust out of jail in the middle of the night? So they wanted to examine them. In Acts chapter 24, verse 8, Paul talks about uh, what it's like to, be, to possibly be examined when he was going through prison and different kind of... There was an examination that happened. You guys remember, that was grueling. Uh, we haven't talked about those in great detail, but you, you know, Paul went through the ringer in every town that he went through. And he was examined. He was being cross-examined. And in Acts 28, verse 18, uh, Paul is talked about... And Paul just gives a verbal description of this is what it's like to be cross-examined. So the word examine is not far into the book of Acts, but it hasn't been used like this. And when Luke applauds the Berean Jews, he's applauding the fact that they're using this examination towards the scriptures. They're investigating the word of God with scriptures, just like people were investigated in jail to see if they were guilty or innocent. They were using that ability of investigating to examine scripture. Studying the Word of God with an investigation helps you grow spiritually. If you find yourself and you say, well, Blake, I've been kind of around Scripture for a long time, and I've been in Scripture, you know, in Bible studies, and I've been at church, and I've heard so many messages, Blake. I'm telling you, I've heard so many messages. But I've never really investigated the Word of God personally that might be a major red flag reason why you haven't seen some personal growth in your life. Investigating the Word of God, again, it doesn't mean that you're skeptical of this book. It means that you want to better understand this book so that you can know how to apply it. I mean, it's obvious that Paul admires this quality. Hunger shows, first of all, that they were, they were receptive. They were receptive to what was being communicated, and this investigation shows that they had a quest A quest to understand what was being presented. Now, it's obvious that Paul applauds this or else, again, it would not be here. Paul would have omitted this and said, okay, great, there was this one audience, but Luke really wants you to understand, he wants me to understand that this is a really important quality we should all have about Scripture. You guys know the verse. In 2 Timothy 2.15, it says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. A workman who does not need to be ashamed, but who correctly handles the word of truth. One chapter later, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, it says all scripture, beginning all the way to the end, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness. Why? So that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. In 2 Timothy 2.15, Paul is saying, do your very best with this book, Timothy. Do your very best. Give your very best effort to understand this book. In 2 Timothy 3.16-17, and 17, Paul is saying, Timothy, every single word in this book is important. Don't omit anything. Don't leave anything out. The whole book was breathed by your king, by your God, by your boss. Every single part of it is important. And in Matthew 4.4, Jesus says that my food is the Word of God. I mean, we don't probably need anything else in Scripture to say how important Scripture is. We need Scripture. And if you're here today and you say, "Well, Well, Blake, I have a really good excuse for not reading the Bible. I have a really good excuse. Please come and talk to me. Okay, please come talk. Because I think that I probably have a pretty good answer for every excuse to not read the Word of God. I used to have a neighbor, I grew up with her, she got to where she couldn't see. And before CDs had come out, I told you that I have uh, trouble adapting to the next technology. Uh, well, cassette tapes were it, okay? Everything began to go down after we went away from cassette tapes. Anyway, anybody else? Well, I really like cassette tapes, and my neighbor, her name was Mrs. Patterson. And Mrs. Patterson got to where her feeble eyes could no longer read the Word of God. She, she got, uh, you know, extra large print. She got extra, extra, extra large print. You know, her Bible, you know, toting that thing was huge. But she got it where she could not literally, she could not see the Word of God. And I remember Mr. Patterson. I'll go over there and see them and play. I was a young kid. And I remember this whole, this big old folder that had all the cassette tapes for all 66 books of the Bible. And do you know what Mrs. Patterson? She would say, Mr. Patterson, can you put a, honey? She didn't call him Mr. Patterson. But honey, I need to hear. I need the word of God. And those tapes were so well used. I know they were so well used because she was always on the couch. They were always, it was roughed up. But I really know that it was used because I got those cassette tapes when she passed. And I saw, it was like somebody's Bible that's got the grease marks, but hers just happened to be the Bible on cassette tape. There's the tangible word of God, right? You've all probably got a copy. Most likely you've got a couple copies. There's, like I just described for Mrs. Patterson, there's the Bible on audio, If you struggle with, I do, I really struggle with reading comprehension. I can read anything. It's been all the way through school. I can read anything and walk away and you say, Blake, what did you read? I have no idea. But now if I listen to it and I hear it as I see it, now, now I can remember the Word of God. So you know what I do? I have every version of audio Bible that I can possibly get into my ears because I treasure this book. You can get it on your devices. It comes in MP3 format. It comes on CD. If you really want to go back and you still have a Walkman or some form of cassette tape player, you can still get it on cassette tape. You can find it on audio. You can probably find it on a record, but that would be kind of sketchy and probably difficult to go through the whole Bible on record. Digital, right? A lot of you have devices, and you say, I got them for my grandkids, or maybe you got them and you use them all the time, or you've got devices, you can get digital copies. The cool thing about a digital copy of the Word of God is you can make that print so big, right? Miss Millie, bless her, bless her. Miss Millie that sits right down here, she's got a Kindle, and I'm telling you what, she's... I wouldn't say that she's super savvy on that thing, and she wouldn't say that either, but she knows how to get the Word of God inside of her heart. She blows that print up big as she needs it to be so that she can see it. We have every kind of Bible tool available to us, known to man. We have more tools. If you guys have never experienced a concordance... Did you know that men and women of old used to not have a concordance and they could still find things over the course of the whole Bible because they knew it so well? We have concordances that someone has actually spent enough time to diagram out every single word in the Bible. And if you want to look up where Matthew's at, anywhere in the Bible, you can get a concordance and you can find it. We have Bible commentaries that make comments about the Bible. We have application commentaries that tell us, I don't know what to to do, how do I apply it? We have application Bibles some of you are using them right now, all across the bottom of the margin. That's what that's for. <laughs> there, there's all kinds of notes to explain the Bible. I mean, I'm telling you, men and women of old, if they did, they had very little compared to the Bible tools that we have today. And, and sadly, y'all, shame on us and shame on me for not knowing the Word of God even better because we have so many tools accessible to us. Last week, I told you a little bit about what? Our culture right now. I mean, our culture, the Scripture, the Bible. I mean, there are all kinds of names if you're a, you're a believer of God and a follower of God, and you believe that there's truth in one book. Y'all, our culture is full of pluralism. Pluralism means that you can find truth all over the place. There can be a source of truth anywhere. You say, Blake, that hasn't affected me. If the Bible is not a part of your life regularly, personally, I believe that it's affected your life. And if, if you're not affected by the disgust, the disrespect, they're just basically throwing away the Word of God. I mean, they, they look at us as narrow-minded, uncultured. And sadly, some of them might be right about our ability to go through Scripture because sadly, we know so little of it. But y'all, we prove the perceptions wrong when we are well-thinking students of Scripture. And when Scripture, God's Word, is our treasure, then in turn we prove those perceptions wrong. I believe that the Bible is the most fascinating book on the Bible. A fascinating book on the planet. I mean, it is just absolutely fascinating. I, you say, well, Blake, there's nothing interesting in Scripture. You haven't read very much. If if you need a, a, a dramatic blockbuster movie in you know scripture, read First Samuel. There's some crazy, exciting things happening in First Samuel, and I could go all over the place. I, I wrote this is Blake's description of why the Bible is so fascinating, because it's filled with accounts of real life tragedy. Crisis, victory, war, peace, miracles, healings, hope, wisdom, prayers, instruction, commands, the meaning of life, the reason for creation, the redemptive plan of God from eternity past, the account of Jesus' substitutionary death on the cross for the guilty, me, the way to live and operate as a part of the redeemed within God's team called the church, and my contentment on my worst days, my contentment is found right here, all in this one of my favorite quotes about Scripture, it's been said, the Bible was inscribed over a period of 2,000 years in times of war and in days of peace by kings, physicians, tax collectors, farmers, fishermen, singers, and shepherds. The marvel is that a library so... Per- perfectly cohesive, could have been produced by such a diverse crowd over a period of time, which staggers the imagination. Jesus is its grand subject, our good is its design, and the glory of God is its end, and you own a copy. My challenge to every single person in the room is Psalm 34.8, and it says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And my question for every single person in the room is, have you read enough of Scripture to really be able to taste and see how very good God is? Are you only going on what you've heard somebody say about God? Do you really know from Scripture who this great and amazing God is? If you find this book boring, you haven't read very much of it. If you've only just begun to read this book, my encouragement to you is, please read more. If you've read a lot of this book, my encouragement to you is, have your eyes seen and gazed on every single page of the Word of God. If you've read a lot of Scripture, maybe not necessarily all of Scripture, but uh, my question for you is, Blake, I've been reading it for decades. My question for you is, could you tell me more than John 3.16 if I pressed you from your heart without a Bible in front of you? What are you talking about, Blake? I'm talking about memorizing the greatest subject of all time, Scripture. And you have a working mind. You see, Blake, my mind doesn't doesn't remember anything anymore. Well, if there's any one thing you can put in Scripture, let it be the Word of God. I wonder what's going to happen to us when we're nearing the end. Some of you know well because you're up close to him. But Karen Martin's dad, when he was nearing the very end of his life, his health was fading. He was not doing very well. And the only thing that could come out of Mr. Martin's mouth was Scripture. Scripture. His health was going down. He was losing you know, very real memories of things in front of them, people in front of him. But what came out of him was Scripture. What's going to happen to you when you're going through your very last stages of life? Will Scripture come out? Or will it be just aches? Of pain. My, my, my question for you and my question for me is I want to be like the Bereans. Oh, I do. I want Scripture to be such a part of me that I bleed, as a great person of the past said, that I bleed biblin. I, I want Scripture to come out of me when I face persecution and I go through difficult times because I know that that's my only way of possibly making it through. How do, how do I become like the Bereans? Well, I'm going to give you as practical as I can this morning. I'll write it on the screen for you. (laughs) How do I become like the Bereans? Well, you've got to read the Bible daily with an investigative Ah. eye. Read the Bible daily. What are you talking about, Blake? I'm talking literally like you take your Bible and you really read it every day. Blake, that's for the super spiritual. That's for somebody else. Can we go back one more? Sorry. Sorry. yeah, what are you talking about, Blake? I- I'm talking about that I would you really go home and you really start reading, Blake. I don't understand so much. Start with the Book of Proverbs. Start with the, the Gospel of John. Just one chapter a day. What do you mean? You, seriously, but yeah, yeah. Make it the greatest priority of your life, and I'm telling you, your life will change. Read the Bible daily. The next part of being like a Berean is to read with an investigative eye. What, what do you mean by that, Blake? I mean, simply put, ask. Questions When you read the Bible, don't think that God can't handle your questions. Bring your questions to the Bible and let God's word answer them. There, it's not always a real quick, super easy answer. Sometimes you've got to dig. Sometimes you've got to get other people involved. Some people that have read maybe a little bit more scripture with you and say, please help me understand this whole thing about Elijah, and disappearing, and can you please help me understand? I want to understand how this all fits together within Scripture. Y'all, there is unity in Scripture. And we've got to find it. We've got to search for it. If we don't learn, especially if you're younger, if you don't learn to investigate and really take in God's Word, soon as you get in college, I, the professor's going to blow you over with so many different objections and so many things that are not true of the Word of God. But if you know this book... You can sit in front of your college professor and say, no sir, no sir, we we should talk about this after class because what you just said, that's not true. And listen, so few, so few are able to to refute anything in college because they've been poured into and poured into a whole bunch of stuff that's not true about Scripture. How am I going to be able to do that? And you say, well, well, some of us, we've got to help train them, but we can't train them because we don't know enough about Scripture ourselves, right? Y'all, don't be afraid to ask Questions of Scripture as you read it. Don't just read it and walk away and say that was a good read. Ask questions as you read and then you'll be like the Bereans. So I'm just going to give you a couple questions, okay? A couple questions. First of all, what? Okay, this is simple, okay? What? What am I reading? What is this? It's really helpful. I I don't know if you've tried this before. It doesn't work too well. I don't recommend it. Going home and just saying, well, you know, I'm just going to you know, God, please, please, I'm dealing with so many things. Please speak to me, okay. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies. God, that doesn't have anything to do with my life. Listen, while you may have heard some approaches of a, you know, a wild approach to, God, please speak to me, and, and God does, and that's great, and that's awesome. But I'm talking about in regular life, we need God's Word, and we need to understand it. And we need to understand, if we're reading in the book of Psalms, we need to understand that this is David praying. These are psalms. These are songs. What does this mean? It means that it reads a little bit different than, like, poetry. It's kind of like poetry, but it's a little bit different. It's David's prayers to God. Well, it is some forms of poetry. I need to, I need to understand that if I'm reading the book of Revelation, I'm talking about something that's to come. It hasn't happened yet. I mean, if you really want to be thrown, okay, read Revelation. All right? I need to understand that if I'm reading in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, that I'm reading certain historical things that really happened. I need to understand what I'm reading. And that will give me a better picture of being able to understand. Another question that I need to ask is, so what? Now, again, don't take this as being disrespectful of Scripture by any means. But, but what's the significance? So what am I reading? So what is this saying? So what is the importance of this particular book in the Bible? What is the significance of this chapter in the middle of this book? What is the significance of this sentence in this verse within that paragraph? So what does this mean? You've got to ask questions. Why is this important? And then one last question that sometimes we ask at the beginning and it throws everything off is, is, now what? Now what? I've read what? I get it. I'm understanding a little bit of what Scripture is saying here. So what? I'm kind of understanding the importance of why this is here. And then now what? What am I supposed to do with what I've just read? And you guys see how sometimes if we come to Scripture just for application, we should get application out of Scripture. But if we come for application at the very first, and we don't understand that this is a book of prophecy and it's something to come, we're going to misread all kinds of things in Scripture. We've got to ask questions of Scripture. Read the Bible with an investigative eye. I know that we are not all scholars. And you know what? I'm so thankful that we're not. I'm so glad that we're not all hands-on, practical people. I know that we're not. And you know what? I'm so glad that we're not. We wouldn't be a very good team if we didn't bring different skills and different abilities together as a body of believers. But I can tell you this. Regardless of how different we are in the room, we all need this book. Oh, I'm not the literary person. I'm not the teacher person. You need this book just as much as the literary teacher person. Don't let what you've heard or somebody said, for some of you, it goes all the way back to when you were in grade school or something. Well, I don't learn. Listen, you just keep digging until you find a way to take in the Word of God because you need it just as much as the person who, reading might come a little bit easier than him. We need the Word of God. And if Christ is going to be formed in me, and Christ is going to be formed in you, it will come through a personal devotion to this book. There's not another way. The grand subject of this book is Christ. Every single page points to Christ. So how in the world could we be formed in Christ? How in the world could we grow into Christ-likeness, right? If we're not reading this book. In this book provides treasure for you. In this book provides every single thing that you need to live and to become like a Berean. Father, thank you so much for your book. God, I'm so thankful that your book provides every single thing that we need for life and godliness. And Lord Jesus, I I pray for the person here today who says, Good night. I've never really taken a, a personal effort towards your book. Or maybe I did right at the beginning. Maybe I did at that one little stint, that one little part, after that revival service for a couple months. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would prick all of our hearts, encourage all of our hearts that what we need is already laid out in front of us. And God, we will never find more fulfillment, God, we will never find more contentment than when our lives have your word all through it. God, please help us. Help us to prioritize in the right way so that your Bible has a part in our daily life. God, help us to find the right tool that helps us understand your book. God, help us to find that largest of largest print or the smallest of smallest print or the the digital form or the audio form or whatever form we possibly need to be able to understand your book. I pray that we would not rest until we give our very best effort trying to find it god we need you and god i know that you speak and you grow us according to our time in your book and what we do with it help us with that father lord if there's someone here today who who does not know you and they're hearing us talk about jesus being the grand subject of the bible Father, the the most grand, amazing thing that began all the way from Genesis, it was your plan from eternity past, was to send your son Jesus to die for us because we're the ones who broke everything you told us to do from the very beginning. God, we were born doing it. We kept doing it. We broke every single thing you told us to do. And God, that made us guilty. And God, the grand climax of Scripture is Jesus dying on the cross and rising again so that we could be made right with you. And Father, if there's a person here today who, putting, putting reading the Bible aside for right now in this moment, first of all, Father, they don't have a relationship with you. They don't know you. They're not in right standing with you. Father, I pray in this moment that you would draw them to yourself. God, help them to see you as The one who is merciful and mighty. Powerful to save. Gracious King. And God with their lips, with their heart, that they would cry out for you to save them. That they would do what your word says with repentance. That they would turn away from their sin and place their trust in Jesus' death for them. And God, in that moment, you give them a new heart. And in that moment you begin to place a hunger inside of them for your word. God, if that person is here today and they don't know you, I pray that in these moments, even now, that they would call out to you and that you would do a saving work. God, help us to be honest with you in these moments. And Lord, we pray that your word would have a central place always among your people in this, your church. God, we love you. In Jesus' name. Amen. As John sings, he's going to be singing about the Word. And my prayer for you is that you'd have some honest conversation with Jesus about your relationship with the Word of God. So I want to ask you to stand, stand with me this morning. Uh, John's going to sing for us. Taylor's going to be standing here at the front if you need somebody to uh, pray with, uh, to talk with, open up Scripture with, and we're going to prepare for Bailey's baptism. Let's sing together.